Welcome back to the Faithful Four Podcast, everybody. Happy New Year. Happy New Year, You know, 2021. Um, As of today, I'm your host, Rohit. Um, Y'all know Kobe. How you doing, Kobe? I'm good, man. Um, Final week of the season. It's good done with. It's good done with. You know, the season's been bad. It's been a long one. It's, you know, it's a good over with. Last, Last week... Niners have much yep. to play for. Seattle has a lot to play for. If Mike Dugley, probably. So. Yeah, I mean, I mean for Seattle at least. Well, I'll get back to that soon. But you know, let's hope we can start 2020 on a on a high note. Yeah, for sure, for sure, for sure. Yep. With that said, oh, we also have one more with us. Unless Adrian, Adrian will get back in a second. Yeah. Oh, okay. He's switching. He's switching over to his computer. Gotcha. So yeah, we'll have Adrian with us as well. But I think let's start off with the you know. The big elephant in the room, which is Seattle week. And that's always interesting, especially usually there's always something on the line when the Niners and Seahawks play each other. And at least for the Seahawks, this time there is something on the line, not so much for us. Yeah, we don't have much to play for. Uh, Seattle still has is in play for number one seed. We are in play for nothing but draft position, which we learned last week. This team obviously isn't going to go out there trying to lose and obviously who does no one ever does that only fans want that players have too much to play for too much on the line too much money to make to throw games away so they're gonna go out there and play hard but you know, as far as seattle goes you know they no one sees still their grasp if i think of green bay and new orleans both lose and they win they get the yeah. number one seed it was number yep. one seed only no that's the only seed that gets the buy this year so that's very very important so they're not going to see any starters they're going to start all of their people um, they're going to be out there trying to win this game. Obviously, they're going to be they're going to put together a real game plan to try to, um, you know, obviously punch us in the mouth and make it hard for us to really do anything. And they're much healthier than we are. Their defense is uh, also playing a lot better than it was in the beginning of the season. Um, they haven't allowed more than 21 points since week nine in their past seven games. Um, over the past seven games, they're only allowing 14 points per game. So. Um, they're not allowing a lot of points. They're, they're a lot stingier now. Carlos Dunlap has helped out a lot for them. He's played – he started five games. He's got five sacks. Um, Jamal Adams, as much as we like to shit on him about, you know, the fact that he's overpaid. Well, might get overpaid. And they, they uh, over, overcompensated to acquire him. They traded away too many picks to get a safety. Uh, he does lead the team in sacks. He's very, very good in the box. He's very good as a run defender. Uh, he's not the best in pass coverage, but he's almost like an undersized linebacker. He has nine and a half sacks this season. So uh, we haven't seen 49ers quarterbacks handle the blitz well this season, and Jamal Adams blitzes a lot. 
So it'll be interesting to see how they handle that. I'm, gonna, I'm assuming we're going we're gonna to try to run the ball a lot. Obviously missing a bunch of guys um, this week. Um, that I can name in a second when I pull it up. But, yeah, Seattle, Seattle yeah, has a lot of play Twitter, But I just want to go back to them. Seattle's defensive resurgence real quick. And it's actually a pretty interesting and even split. If you look at weeks one through seven, they had nine sacks from weeks one through seven. Right. And then come, and then here comes week eight. They play us, and and from week eight until week sixteen, well, basically up to today, they've had thirty-four sacks, and it's just insane. I mean, you have the Carlos Dunlap trade that was done right before the trade deadline. You have um, yeah, see, I was trying to do some more creative stuff with their blitzes. They had players coming back, so you know this this Seattle Ravens has really come into their own and. And for as much everybody actually wants to, you know, shit on them for how bad they have been, his like just historically and then this season. At least in the pass rushing department, they've improved, and it's actually night and day. Right. Yeah, this defense is. is I mean, Jamal Adams obviously is not going to say anything different, but he believes they have the best defense in the league. And, and I mean, I know if you look at the stats over the entire season. You'd be like, hell no. They were on they're on a pace to give up the most yards in NFL history on defense um, through the air. But that's not the case. Um, they're actually very good now on defense. They're very sound. They've, they've made some adjustments. They've gotten guys back. They're playing good football. Now their offense has also um, kind of diminished a bit uh, in light of the of their defense playing very well. But then again, they've got Russell Wilson. And you, you, know, you can never count a guy like that out. Strangely enough. It's kind of like the opposite of what happened to um us last year. Um, from week one till about week eight last year, our defense was absolutely dominant outright. Um, I think we only had like what three games during that stretch, maybe four that we only gave up like double digit points. I mean, and then from week nine until the end of the season, our our defense was actually pretty bad. Yeah, because we, we lost uh, D Ford for us. We lost D Ford, Quan Alexander, and a right. bunch of other guys. And for yeah, Seattle, it's been the opposite. Time. They had a lot of injuries early on. And fortunately for them, they didn't incur any more injuries. So they had those healthy players come back. And that just helped them have a massive resurgence. So all the struggles that we saw early on, that was mostly because they weren't really able to see what their healthy defense looks like. And now the entire NFL thinking what their healthy defense looks like. And it's, it's impressive to say the least. Yeah. And not to mention that the uh, defense has to do with Russell Wilson. Well, they obviously we saw uh, Robert Sala has improved a lot this year. Um, last year, we, I mean, he did well, obviously last year, they have one of the best defenses in the entire league, even with their, their struggles uh, late in the year. But Prior to that, they were, you know, that one of the best divines in NFL history until they had five first rounders. And I mean, that line was just ferocious when they were fully healthy with Ford, uh, Armstead, Buckner, and obviously rookie, rookie of the year, Bosa. Um, can't wait to get him back um, next season. But yeah, yeah I, mean, I mean, this year, he hasn't, he hasn't his presence had, will be huge. Yeah. This year, Salah hasn't had three of those. He hasn't had Ford all but one game. He hasn't had Bosa all but, all but a game in a quarter. He hasn't had Buckner all year because they traded him away. And then Armstead, obviously, is a much better player when there are better players around him. He's not the kind of guy who's going to single-handedly destroy another team's offensive line. He's, he's, he's better. He's almost like 
I almost consider him the Draymond Green of the line. Like he helps a lot more when he's better talent around him. He's not going to be able to do anything when he's on his own. Yeah, so, I mean, like you really yeah. see his value when you see the guys around him, mostly because it's then you'll really see how he shines. Because I feel like um, with all those guys out, Armstead's probably seen a lot more double teams this season, and I just don't think he's actually really accustomed to actually like taking on those double teams and actually winning at a consistent rate. Yeah, and we saw it years prior before he before he had Ford and, and Bosa on the opposite sides of him, uh, and his, his rookie year and the year after that and the year before and the year after that, I think twenty what fifteen sixteen, um, seventeen sixteen uh, seventeen eighteen, yeah, um, he wasn't you know he wasn't that guy he wasn't that guy to go out there and get you like seven and a half eight sack seasons from the interior, and then when he has the talent around him to kind of take the attention off of him. He has a 10-sack season. So that kind of tells you what kind of guy Armstead is. He, he's better when there are uh, more talented, better guys to take attention off of him, around him. So what Stahl has done with that being basically his best pass pressure, obviously he's had Kerry Hyder, who has been uh, impressive off the edge. We don't know if, if he'll, he'll stay or not. We'll discuss for agents later. But, you know, what he's done, missing so many key guys, solid. And then last week we saw it when he adjusted so well compared to week one against the Cardinals. Like, Kyler Murray threw it 50 times through the air, and and D Hop did barely anything. Like you, you hardly even noticed he was out there. Like because the scheme, and also big big credit to Jason Ferret, they kept him unlocked. The running game, once again, the Niners did not allow a 100 yard rusher. And obviously, they threw it 50 times. The Cardinals did, so only running it 20 something times. You know, unless you average five yards a carry, you're not going to get 100 yards. But still, they held another rusher under 100 yards. They haven't allowed the rusher over 100 yards. All season long. And the fact that they're still top five in, in total defense, they're top 10 in, in both run defense and passing defense. The only place where they're not ranked high is points per game, which some of those aren't even really their fault. It's more so because of turnovers and, and you know, getting having to take over in, in bad, you know, uh, position. They're on, they're on their, their side of the field when they start with the ball uh, oftentimes. Yeah, I mean, I, mean, it's been impressive. I think from like what? I think for like week nine, the Packers game until until literally this week, um, this week against the Cardinals, from week nine to week sixteen, the Four Niners had at minimum two turnovers each game. Might have been it, was just, it might have been week seven. I think the last game they had where he didn't have a turnover from the quarterbacks was week six against the Rams when Jimmy uh, came back. Oh yeah, because we oh yeah because Jimmy threw the two picks against the passing. The one really shouldn't count because it was a hail mary. <laughs> um. And then, and then the Jimmy fiasco that happened against Seattle with with another two interceptions, Mullins with I think what was it an interception and a fumble against Green Bay, multiple turnovers against New Orleans. I mean, I could go on and on. Yeah, but for, for ten weeks, nine ten weeks, they they turned the ball over two times from their quarterbacks. It's, like that. It's, that it hasn't been pretty. Yeah, it hasn't been nice. All right, we got Adrian back. Adrian, what's, what's up, up, man? Adrian, how you doing? Uh, got my camera on, found the charger. It was in my closet. Right. We were we were just uh, we were just discussing um um what were we discussing? Robert uh, Sala. Robert uh, Sala. Um, how he how he's been great uh, missing a bunch of guys, and then obviously he's probably going to be gone next season because of that because of what he's done. Yeah, he's he's gone. I think yeah, he's gone. I think after that Cardinals game, that's a for sure. Like he's gone. Like. That was like for sure when it hit me. At first, I'm like, maybe he'll say one more season, but I'm like, okay, he contained Kyler Murray with 
passes defense on IR. Mm-hmm. Teams are gonna look at that and say, "Holy shit, he's good." So, yeah, yeah, Salah is, is he's legit. He's legit. He's I mean, for for a long time, mm-hmm. I didn't want to, you know, ex- accept that he was as good as uh, as people were saying he was. Uh, I was like, mm-hmm. even this year in the Bills game. Because the week prior, the, the news was that Detroit people were like coming out of the petition or something like that to get. Oh yeah, no, no, it was hilarious because it was actual. Um, no, it wasn't just Detroit. It was, it was I think like actual Michigan legislators for the state. Yeah. Who were like, yeah, hey, yeah, they were. Look they at were Robert Sala. Sign this man to become the next Lions head coach, and it was and honestly hilarious. Week, the same week they played the Buffalo Bills and they can't do shit. And, and I shouldn't have did that against him because. The Buffalo Bills this year have, I mean, Josh Josh Allen has been insane. You know, he, he's taking the next step. He should be an MVP candidate this year. He won't win it because Aaron Rodgers probably will. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, honestly, in Saul's defense, that was probably one of, I want to say, two bad games that he's coached defensively this entire season. Yeah, the other being the, the, other, the, other being the Miami game. Yeah, well, in the Miami game, he had Brian Allen playing. I don't even kept that against him. Brian Allen. That was all on Brian Allen. <laughs> There was nothing more solid could do. It was Brian Allen's getting burned by Devontae Parker and um, Preston Williams the whole time. Yeah, Brian Allen gave up ten by himself. I don't even put that. I don't put that on Salah. And the other one is is the Green Bay game, but they're not equipped to deal with the Packers missing all the guys they had on a short week. And that so many game guys should not have even been played. With yeah, all we the guys that, we like, how is it going to even be played? Was was because Kendrick Bourne was out, Trent Williams was out, um, Brandon Ayuk was, was out. <laughs> It, it's like basically it was basically our entire offense was out and on defense. I mean, I think that was like we we didn't have it, we didn't have a lot of people on defense either that game, did we? Like, what are what are starting corners? I think Mosley was still out. I think uh, Mosley was, was still out. out. Mosley and Sharma were both still out. Yeah, actually no, Mosley played that game. Uh, wait, yeah, he played that game Mosley because he had a pass breakup. I was really sick, but. Yeah, I would have been But, like, yeah, it, you know, Salah, he, overall, he's done a great job. He's done a great job this year, considering everything, considering all the guys he's he's been missing, considering all the guys who they expected to have. He kind of had to, like, they go, it's not like he came into this year with the guys he had to play with. He came into this year with last year's defense. He came into this year with Sherman healthy, with Ford healthy, with Bosa healthy, with Quan healthy, you know? He came into the season mm-hmm. with all those guys healthy. It's not like he planned for this team to be missing the guys they were missing. So yeah, he, over the season, he had to adjust. And when he adjusted, this defense still was top five at, at the end of the day. So the fact, yeah, I mean, he obviously he's gone because of that, because he actually is a talented coach. It took him some years to truly develop. But the, yeah, the I think 2017, of- 2018 um, left a bit of a sour taste in all, um in all in the mouths of a bunch of 49ers fans mostly because of how inconsistent the defense was more so in 2018 than in 2017 in 2017 for the most part our defense was pretty good aside from a few really bad games here and there i'm not going to hold i'm not going to hold the um the Thursday nighter against um Los Angeles in 2017 against all because that's a shootout both defenses were bad but the ones mm-hmm. that really come to mind are the are the Eagles, um, Eagles game and the Cowboys game back to back after they had five game streak of losing by f- um, three points or less, and then yeah, 2018 yeah. um af- 
like basically starting from the Kansas City game where Kansas City dropped 38 on us, including 35 in a single half. And the defense never really recovered from there and just somehow kept getting worse and worse. So coming into 2019, I mean, yes, we got both of that year, but I don't think anybody's were actually expecting that our defense to take as much of a leap as it did from being one of the worst in the league to arguably being the best defense in the NFL that season. Yeah. Yeah, they're middle of the pack. Yeah, middle of the pack for the longest for three years. Two or three years, they were middle of the pack. So, yeah. The, even the, with the, all the guys out right now, I'm pretty sure the Niners are, are great at top five defense this year. Yeah. Even yeah. with all the injuries. So that says yeah, a lot, yeah. not only about the players, but Robert Sala as, as a coach, to be able to construct the top five defense. Yeah, and I yeah, think Cody mentioned think this earlier, um, but the only metric where the Fortnite aren't a top 10 or top five defense in is scoring, and that's mostly because of how many turnovers as a team has had over this entire yeah. season. I mean, from week seven against the Patriots up until week 16 against the Cardinals, the Fortnite yeah. had at least two turnovers per game from their quarterbacks. Yeah. In some games they have four. In some games they have four total turnovers. So it's like exactly. Like, and it's I mean how, how are you supposed to defend a short field that had that many times? Four extra possessions. They're getting at least two extra possessions per game, the defense was. So it's just like, you know, what are you supposed to do if you're running exactly. for the defense? You can't really judge them too, you know, too harshly. When you when you have them to defend a short field two to three times a game, two to two to three four times a game, so we've been on it too long, you know. But really, what I, what I wanted to even the point I wanted to originally make was that Salah probably can can limit this defense. They're going to be without. I got to pull up the players going to be without because they're going to be missing a lot of people. Uh, and even though even last year missing all the people, they were still pretty good. Um, excuse that loud noise, probably heard. Um, they're going to be without. Uh, Brandon Ayuk, Trent Williams, Dre Greenlaw. Richard Sherman, uh, Javon Kinlaw, K1 Williams, Robbie Golden, Taper Pepper. Not to mention they're already without Debo Samuel. Um, and we're already without already already without Raheem Mostert and and guys like that. So yeah, it just kind of gives you a, a I mean, just this is the last week of the season. We've already been eliminated, you know, two weeks ago against against Dallas. So I mean, it's you can't really. I mean, you can't really care these guys are really playing. You know, it's it's a bummer not to see Ayuk one more time, not to see Ken one more time for the next seven months. But we're not really, you know, bummed over it because the season's already over. We're, we're kind of on to the off season already. The only thing that can that can even come out of this game that we could care about would be whatever draft pick the Niners end up with. Other than that, I mean, just just gonna be watching the game without any expectations, without any kind of, you know, really. I guess feeling for it because it's kind of you know it's just a game that that's a big thing for us. So yeah, I mean, there, there really isn't much reason to really make any predictions here or make any kind of analysis here because the Seahawks are the better team. They're the healthier team. Um, yeah. They have a lot more to play for than we do. Yeah. It, it's it, it could get ugly, and if it does, I mean, you know, maybe we see Josh Rosen, maybe we see Josh Johnson. One of those two, um, came out earlier today saying that he wants all three quarterbacks suited up for the game, so we might see yeah. all three in action somehow. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's last week, it's gonna be he's probably gonna throw all the tricks he had planned for this exactly. Season. So, it's, so it's at this point, it's, it's like one of those games where it's like, might as well, might as well put everything on tape, see what guys we can bring in the next season. Um, yeah. a lot of times when it comes to um, eliminate teams. A lot of times, what I see is like, especially week seventeen, is when I like, uh, is when I really see those eliminated teams trying to just 
pull all, all, all the tricks left in their hand, in their bag, and just mm. try and figure out um, what works, what doesn't work, what has worked, what hasn't worked, who they want to bring back, and stuff like that. So this is going to be really, like, I don't expect us to win this game. If we do, I'm going to be, I'm going to be happy because who, who isn't happy about winning? You know what I mean? But at the same time, I'm not going to be surprised or necessarily disappointed if we lose. But I will right. be disappointed if we if we lose and we just fall flat on our face, and that's why we lose. Yeah, like, I at least wanted to see some heart. Yeah, me, Javi, and Jordan all agreed on our quarter earlier that we want to see this team be competitive. And obviously, I want to see this team come out healthy because Kittle's going to yeah. play. He's going to play limited snaps. He's not going to play more than, like, 30. If, you know, yeah. most likely, we, might, we might play less than that. But no more injuries, please. We've had enough. You know, we've had enough injuries. We've seen enough people get hurt. It's the last week of the season. We don't need Warner to have an injury that's going to keep him out for the beginning of the next year. We don't need Kittle to have an injury that's going to keep him out for the beginning of the next year. Just if there is an injury, hopefully it's minor, like a little ankle sprain, something that could just, you know, heal up in the offseason. Yeah. But nothing major, please. Just nothing major. No major injuries in this game, please. Yeah. Um. I mean, I think I think that, I think we should I think this like, this is a perfect segue. Like, kind of like we we spent the vast majority of this show basically talking about how the um defense has been for both teams. I I feel like it's the best time proper time to switch gears to talk about the offense. I mean, we all know about we all know about the Fort Niners' offensive struggles. We're we're very middle of the pack somehow, which is surprising. Mm-hmm. Our yardage numbers look pretty good. Our points are not that good, and the turnovers are ex- horrendously bad. Yeah. So I mean, statistically speaking, like we're we've been hanging in there, but at the same time, we've just been shooting ourselves in the foot over and over again. And yeah. and there there's, there comes a point where you do that enough times, you're not gonna be able to recover. I mean, yeah, like a good example of just shooting ourselves in the foot when we lost to Washington and they didn't score a single offensive touchdown. It was just all right. defensive touchdown. Yeah, um, that, they scored just, what fourteen just, points off of their defense alone. Um, what a pick six and then a scoop and score. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, that was one of the best defensive performances I've seen from the Niners this season, and it was kind of just completely wasted, mostly because we just couldn't stop turning the ball over. Yep. yep. That's been the story of the season, really. I mean, even when Jimmy was was um was playing this season, he turned the ball over quite a bit too. Um, and we've seen we've seen the last year there was and Jimmy was was careless with the ball and really just as a whole, if if Shanahan can get a guy who can not turn the ball over like this cut turnovers in half, we can just get somebody who can turn the ball over ten times or less over an entire season. There are so many more games that this team can win. I mean, Kyle's done such a fantastic job. I think it's probably one of his best seasons with us so far, simply because of the fact that he's had to basically come up with a new game plan each and every week because this guy's out this week. Then that guy's out this week. Then this guy is back and then this guy's out the next week. So he's had that he has he hasn't really even been able to get into a flow. Like every time it seems like he's getting somewhere, we lose an important piece on offense and he has to come up with game plans for guys like, you know, undrafted phrasing like to Mike <coughs> excuse me, undrafted phrasing like to Michael Hasty. Um Rare Craycraft mm-hmm. and Richie James were starting receivers once this week. Kendrick Bourne and Dante Pettis, and Dante Pettis were our starting receivers week one. Uh, like Debo Samuel and Ayuk played what, like three or four games together, maybe. Kiddo's been uh, out since week uh, eight. Okay, so Debo and Ayuk had from every had um every game from week four to week seven together. Then Debo gets hurt, 
And then we don't get, and then we don't see Debo and Ayuk together again until week 14 against the football team where Debo gets hurt on the first play of the game. So we've right. really only had, right. what, four games of them together on the same field? Maybe four or five. I think they played, they played. Oh, no, 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 no. Buffalo, Buffalo. They played together with, they played together in Buffalo. No, I forgot that. Yeah, you can hardly tell, though. I mean, you kind of forgot that it even happened because um, that game was kind of over yeah. before it started. Uh, they were yeah. in the game for, for the first half, and then the third quarter, it got crazy. And then at that point, you throw the game plan out the window because you're forced yeah. to pass. But yeah, he's barely had them together. I'm sure if they were both healthy for the entire year, the offensive game plans going into each game would have been entirely different because Kyle would have known how to make those two work for each other. And not, not, saying, not saying that they don't work for each other because they do. Like two different receivers, yeah. But would have had a better plan of how much to do with you know which with with which player, um, exactly. And also, Debo's and role I, this year because of the fact that Jimmy was injured and couldn't throw. I'm assuming couldn't throw, um, and and move in the pocket and play quarterback the way he's used to playing, and the fact that Mullins and CJ Bethard are turnover machines. Um, <clears throat> Debo's role was was lessened to more of this like a like a a running back out wide. And we we know yeah. from last year, discussed this in the last episode. We know from last year that Debo is a much better receiver mm-hmm. than what he showed, um, than what he's haven't had a chance to do this year. And some people are now making the you know the claim that even I, before I really thought about it, has said the same thing that Ayuk is the clear receiver one. But I don't know. Yeah. I think I think they're one A and one B. I think they're. I think I don't think one is much better than the other. I think Ayuk is a better deep threat. I think he yeah. has more, more, they both complement each other very well. I feel like it's unfair mm-hmm. to both of them to try and compare the two to each other. Yeah, I mean, they're I, both I think both I, you, the receiver, you know, phys, physique and receiver play style. But Debo is, as a route runner, is still very good. We saw it last year. Um, he he can still he can stress the field as well. We saw him do it at South Carolina. We saw glimpses of what he could do. Um, in the yeah, case in point, the Baltimore year. game, um, last year yeah, where Jimmy threw that game. nice ball to him for that forty-four yeah, yard touchdown on fourth and four. Now he got deep, but he and he dropped it. But he got deep in the Seattle game. He beat um, Shaquille Griffin, um, but Jimmy underthrew him. So mm-hmm. yeah, he, he didn't get that one. But he he has deeper ability too. So you know when either Jimmy is healthy or they go with a different guy quarterback um, come next season, I think we'll see a lot more receiver Debo Samuel on top of what he can do as a runner um, on screens and, and on touch passes in front of backfield, like we saw this season. It'll be a mixture of what we saw year one and two. Yeah, of course, Ayuk will get better as well. So, I mean, just – but as a whole, Shanahan hasn't had his entire offense for most of this year. He's been missing yeah. this guy or that guy every week. So, the fact he's – And the fact uh, that if you look at the numbers on paper, it's a testament to how well Kyle Shanahan has done over this entire season to where this offense has essentially been average with multiple players coming in and out and in and out. And nobody's I – don't th- I don't think we've had a single player on this team play – in in more than five games in a row, except for McGlinchey. not one. Except for except McGlinchey. For McGlinchey. <laughs> I think McGlinchey who's played in every single game this season. Yeah, I think I think McGlinchey and Lake and Thompson are the only two who played in every game this season for the offense. Can, can I so. talk about how how well um Kyle Shanahan has developed Lake and Tomlinson? We got him for as a reclamation yeah. project fifth for a fifth yeah. rounder. And according to Pro Football Focus, he's now a top five left guard in the league. Yeah. Really good. Yeah. I mean, again, I know it's Pro Football Focus, and you know, 
they, they, they're records. They're, they're, but at the same time, the fact that he's graded so highly, and you look at the names on that list, if you compare them, it's it's kind of impressive, really. Yeah, like we always say that the left side of, of the offensive line isn't much of an issue. It's just that right side. Say that Mike McGlinchey again, but it's such an issue. Like that right guard and right tackle position are. McGlinchey has had a bad year. Yeah, compared to his last two years, this is a bad year yeah. for him. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't think he's good at what they drafted him to be good at. And that's run blocking. He's he, him yeah. and Trent Williams are one two in PFF grades for run blocking. So he's great mm-hmm. at what he was drafted to be great at at run blocking. The thing that's hurt this team is the fact that running the ball they haven't been that great this year. So they haven't been able to which puts more when you're not running the ball well, it puts more stress you know in the passing game because you're normally in what third and medium, third and longs. So yeah. the that pressure just tee off on you, and and McGlinchey isn't the best of pass blockers. Even in Notre Dame, there's a clip of him getting absolutely just <laughs> manhandled by I forget who the player was he was he was up against, but Probably he got yeah he got he got thrown, and that was back in Notre Dame, and that was one of the reasons that was that kind of went that kind of went viral when we drafted him. It's like really we drafted this guy with a nice pick, so yes, hmm. like he, he's never been great at pass blocking, um, and he obviously he's much better when. The pass, the the running game is working because then defensive linemen can't tee off because what it's third and short, the play action is working, and that kind of protects him in the passing game. But as, as a straight up pass blocker, he's not going to get that done for you. That's not the kind of player he is. But as a run blocker, yeah. what he was drafted to do, he's good at it. So I, I will I will give McClinchy that for what he was drafted to do, he's he's very good at it. Yeah, I mean, and w- I mean, I've said this before. Um... I've said it before on this podcast, I've said it before um, on different platforms as well, but a lot of times the offensive defensive linemen, you kind of have to give them a bit, time, a bit of time to develop into like a full, well-rounded player. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, you saw this, I mean, we saw with DeForest Buckner, um, his, if you look at his rookie year and then you look at his next season and from 2016-2017, I mean, Buckner wasn't that good of a run defender in 2016 and in a way, you could kind of say that that's why our run defense was so bad. It's mostly because we never got that type of proper push and pen- penetration um, in our front four that, that season. Mm-hmm. And then you look at 2017. I mean, yes, his sacks went down, but if you looked at it, he was disrupting every single play in the run game, disrupting every single play. And then everything comes together in 2018. 12 sacks, excellent defender all around. Um and if you look at the offensive line, you, case in point, Lakin Tomlinson. Detroit gave up on the man. Gave him to us for a fifth-round draft pick. Get few years in San Francisco, he's one of the best in the league. You yeah. got to give offensive and defensive linemen time. Yeah. And I think I still think I. I mean, here's, for as much as we like to, you know, bash on McGlinchey, I think. I think it's safe to say we can give him another year or two to see if he can actually develop further or if he progresses yeah. further. Yeah, he's much better than yeah. he just could uh, be. So, um, we've discussed enough that random stuff. Um, really, if yep. you want to get into team, I'll discuss that yeah. as, as ends. Um, what do you want to start with? Yep. I'd say, I'd say we should probably go with um, 
I think best segue if we're talking about McGlinchey and performing Saints. I think it's the last week of season. Might as well finish off with some team MVPs. You know what I mean? Uh, number one is clearly Fred Warner. The dude is the best linebacker in football. I do yep. not care what anyone else wants to tell me. Fred Warner is the reason the defense is so good. If you watch him play, he is sideline to sideline. He covers tight ends and receivers alike very, very well. And he has a nose for the ball. And he talks so much shit. I know players hate him so much. It's like every single play, he's in somebody's face talking. He's in somebody's face. He's talking shit. You know, I love it. Obviously, on, my, on this team, as, as a fan, we love it. I know other opposing teams, every time they, your player gets tackled, and he's just he's just in their face, you know, talking that shit. They they hate it, but I I love it. Uh, you know, that's a dog in him. But yeah, Fred Warner is is the defensive MVP. Um, mm-hmm. I think yeah, team MVP as well. Yeah, team MVP as well. Yeah, on for offense, I don't know where I would go with this. There's so many guys been in and out. I, I guess mean, I, I honestly go to Trent Williams. I mean, when he's in, that the left side of the offensive line has been absolutely phenomenal, and. He's helped so much with pass blocking and run blocking. And for as bad as everything has been, you barely see anything come through on that left-hand side. Yeah. I mean, what he had early on, he had a couple, a couple of games where people said he looked bad. But I think some of that was because of miscommunications on the offensive line. Because there, there were times where the quarterback would get sacked. And then we was just like looking like, hey, what the hell happened there? You know, you're supposed to get that guy. So I think some of that was what it was. Yeah. I don't think. Other but as soon as that got up, cleaned up, yeah, nobody was getting through up. him. And he's been great ever since. He's been fantastic this season. He's a guy, obviously, we're going to discuss for agents, you know, a little bit later. But he's a must He's a must keep. He's a must keep. You got to get that deal done. You have to get that deal done. You got to bring him back. But other than Trent Williams, the only other two names I can think of for offense are either Brandon Ayuk or Kyle Juszczyk. I, I guess the, um, I guess it goes to Kyle Shanahan. He's offensive MVP because without Kyle Shanahan, this offense does nothing. You nothing. know, yeah. you know, yep. can't fault you there. Kyle Shanahan, offensive MVP as a coach. Yeah, I mean, coach won't get any other, other awards in here. So, uh, so yeah, he he's he is the uh, offensive MVP because without Kyle Shanahan, I mean. We discussed it. He's had different starters every fucking week, you know? Every week he's had different guys in and out. So the fact that the team has been a middle-of-the-pack offense, there are teams that are fully healthy <laughs> that are much worse than we are in offense. So this, just from that point alone, Kyle Shanahan, yeah, he's offensive MVP. He's, he's, he's the yeah. sole reason this offense hasn't gone to shit. So. Absolutely. Um you know, I was thinking about doing making this kind of like a studs and duds thing, but we're leaving negativity in 2020. You know what I mean? Yeah, we won't, we won't do duds this episode. We'll save that for next season or, yeah. or the off season when we talk about the guys we need to get rid of. So yeah, but I'd say, but a lot, of, but a lot of what this off season is going to hang on us. I'm hang for hang on for us simply because you know, let's be honest. Our, well, it's a fact that our season's over after this game against Seattle, so we can start to look um forward to um March and free agency. So. This is going to be a massive, massive um, free agent free agency period for the 49ers, mostly because we're ha- we're having so many guys as unrestricted free agents, and this is going to, and if you look at the free agents across the NFL landscape, there are a lot of important free agents there as well. So this is going to be interesting to see how the 49ers maneuver this. Yeah, well, they they got. I mean, 
loss turnover in NFL is a lot anyway. It's like 25, 30%. Um, so a lot of these guys have you know, 40 free agents um, overall. Only like six or seven of them are like must keeps, you know, like Trent Williams is a must keep. Uh, Kyle Husek is, I don't think he's a must keep. I think Charlie Warner, we called him baby kiddo all uh, training camp. That didn't come to fruition. Um, but he can play fullback. Oh, he was yeah, I mean, we saw we saw him take a lot of snaps with fullback whenever Yushik was in the game. Yeah, um, he was he was a blocking guy at Wisconsin, and he's got some receiving ability. He can easily play fullback. I think How, will he be as good as Hughes? Probably not. But you don't want to go paying your fullback too much. We can save some money there. Um, Jason Verrett, since it sounds like Richard Sherman is most likely gone, Jason Verrett will be a guy that you want to prioritize keeping. Kwan Williams has been one of the best um, slot corners in the league since he's been since he's been here in San Francisco. That's a guy you want to keep. I don't know how you can. I mean, Jamar Taylor was solid, but he's he's older and he's, he's not going to be coming off a torn ACL, um, so he might not be the same. So I mean, I don't think you want to run back with uh, Jamar Taylor, or rather, do what we can to keep Kwan Williams. Um, what's another guy? Uh, Kerry Hyder might be a guy you want to keep to put opposite the Bosa um, with Armstead and Kinlaw on the line. That's another guy you might want to keep. Jaquaski Tart, we don't know. Um, could you let him go? You probably could. Um, I mean, I mean, at that point, are you willing to um, risk having either Tarverius Moore or Marcel Harris in that safety position, that other safety position across from Jimmy Ward? Tavares more say he wanted to bulk up this offseason so he can play a strong safety. Um, he's he's been you know he's had his ups and downs this year. He's had times where he's been lost um, in coverage. A couple of times where it's like, bro, what are you doing? But yeah, that's, my, that's what that's okay. that's what worries me about both Moore and Harris is that they have a tendency to get lost in coverage. And as a safety, you're quite literally the last on defense. So you getting yeah. lost in coverage is kind of a bad sign. Yeah, for sure. And, and you know, I mean, could he get better? You know, if they give him another shot at it, this is like his third position he played. He was drafted as a free safety. They played him at cornerback his rookie year, um, kind of in and out. I think he dealt with injuries that year um, in 2018. And then, obviously, he played safety sparingly in 2019. And then he, he played free safety a little bit this year. When war was out, then switched to strong safety. So he's played three different positions for this team. If you, give, if you say, hey, you know, this next year you're playing strong safety, you're next to Ward in the secondary as a strong safety, um, and he and he knows that's the deal coming in, could he play better? I mean, I think the I think the possibility is there. Like I mean, it's, like a, said, a, it's like you said. It's like you said. I don't um, – Moore never really had a chance to actually like, play at a certain position for, a, for an extended period of time. He's always had to switch here and there and over and over again. So, for all we know – the consistency of staying staying in a single position might do him some good. Yeah, and then in secondary, you know, they all have different responsibilities. So him having to, you know, bounce from position to position may have, you know, affected his play at safety because he's playing free safety one week and strong safety the next week. So that has something to do with it. Um, if he goes, like I said, if he goes into a season knowing what position he's going to play, he could play better, and that could lead them to maybe let Tart go. Maybe we'll see. Um. But yeah, I mean, there's not that many guys where it's like, okay, yeah, we got to keep that guy. We got to keep that guy. We got to keep that guy. They got 40, but it's only about six or seven. You really think like, okay, yeah, other guys we got to keep. 
Um, I mean, if then, you, and, and even when you look at the restricted free agents, I think the only one we really should bring back is Jeff Wilson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and they can bring Mosley back too for uh, for depth. I know, um, I know, Witherspoon is a tough one. Wait, I thought um, Mosley was unrestricted. Hang on. He, he's restricted. He restricted. They, they can okay. tender him. They can tender him. Um, Witherspoon is the one where it's like I don't know. These, I mean, I want to see how he does against Seattle. That is one thing I want to see against Seattle is how he plays against DK Metcalf. I'm sure he'll have some snaps against against him. Uh, we'll see. Kind of last year against DK Metcalf, he got sunned uh, numerous times. So I want to see. And then Mosley can put the clamps on him. Yeah. Yeah. So I want to see because he's. I mean, he's played good the last two weeks, but can he be consistent? Can he keep it up? We've seen flashes before from him. This is year four with with Witherspoon. We've seen flashes before. Can he keep it up? We don't know. He's been off and on. He's been in and out of the doghouse uh, every year. He's been with Shanahan. So we don't really know, you know, who Witherspoon actually is. Like, what's going on? Are we kidding? It's almost it's almost like similar to, like, bad Jimmy, good Jimmy. What's Jimmy are we getting next week? So, and it's like that with a lot of players on this team. Well, not a lot, but just a few players on this team where it's like, which one are we going to get, good or bad? Um, but, yeah, Witherspoon is a guy who's going to be, you know, can you let him go? You probably could. Maybe you can go with Mosley and Verrett. Maybe they draft a corner at some point in the uh, in the draft. Maybe they sign somebody in free agency. That's always possible. But, yeah, there's a lot of dudes who are going to be gone, and they'll get replaced with either late draft picks, guys who are on already on their contract and maybe have developed over the past few years. I think Tim Harris is a guy that maybe if they want to let Witherspoon go and, and Tim Harris is here, maybe that's the guy they feel confident in. Um, taking the corner spot, and also free agency, they'll bring in some guys who you probably never heard of or don't care too much about that will fill out the depth, and you can get them for a more cost-friendly uh, price in free agency, and then yeah. that's how they fill out the roster. But I mean, for your free agents, there's not that many you really need to keep. I mean, Wilson's one, you know, Trent Williams, this is one. Ferret's another one. Hire's another one, and after that, you can start to think about hmm, what can we do. To maybe save some money here and still get some solid production. So, yeah, I mean, I think I think the fact that it's you you see the number forty in terms of free agents, and you think, oh god, this is because we we don't really that's have that much money to play with. So that's our roster. Like, and but, yeah, <laughs> I mean, but a lot of times you also have to understand that this is considering the fact that it's the entire fifty-three man roster include, and you have. The contracts of anybody who's on IR, and then you have the practice yes. squad because got players in IR, because so once I a team gets IR, eliminated, you're right. effectively back to that massive what 75, 90 man roster that you usually have in in, in the off season. Yeah. So, well, I mean, it looks massive, and well, to be frank, it is massive, but it's not something you should necessarily really panic about because a lot of those um a lot of those players that you see as free agents um. Usually, you're usually kind of small role players who kind of just come in as they need to, or just depth pieces. So, a lot of those players will get better minimum contracts somewhere else, and we'll we'll, we'll be able to do the same to replenish um, our depth. But in terms of actual names, as Kobe said, there's only like six or seven that we actually need to keep. So, just put your money there, grab the depth, move on. And also, there's guys, like you said, who are injured who are also on, on contract who are going to be free agents technically for us in the offseason, like Ezekiel Ansah. Um, 
Deion Jordan, Jordan Willis, people we acquired during the season um, because of injuries and things like that. People on the practice squad who only under one year deals like Josh Rosen technically is a free agent for the Niners. Um, Josh Johnson is a free agent for the Niners next year because they're on the team. So they're mm-hmm. technically the Niners free agents, but they're not, there's no chance they're really back. Um, maybe a couple like maybes, but yeah, they were kind of like guys that have to fill the, the filling for injuries and they also got injured. So, and then they can save cap. They keep some people too if they get rid of Ritzburg, if they off D Ford. Obviously, D Ford thing's tough because if you cut him before June first, you owe him fourteen million. If he retires, you owe him fourteen million for this year to not play for you. Um, but if you keep him around, you have to pay him twenty million. But he could still be injured. You know, he could still yeah. reserve reserve most of the year. Because here's this is a neck and back issue, and that itself is incredibly scary. Not just football, like just life in general, neck and back isn't something that really gets – it kind of sticks with you for the rest of your life. So, Yeah, I mean, Peyton Manning is still talking about how he still feels some of, that, some, of, some of the stuff that he had to deal with while he was still playing, even after that big neck injury. And he's playing he was like, he, do that much, the way he played. Yeah. Like, D4's and, and he's still talking about how he's still feeling some of the effects today, and it's been nine years since his neck injury. Yeah, so, so I, mean, I mean, well, they cut not him football, but for life. And if you look at D Ford, a defensive lineman with neck and back issues, he's he's enduring a lot more punishment and playing a much more physical position. His body will break down faster. Let's be yeah. really honest. So I mean, just I mean, will they D Ford probably won't be back? They probably will just like swallow the fourteen million, or they do a June first cut, where they can spread the money out over two years, pay him. They could be like nine million one year, uh, and four million in the next year, four or five million in the next year. So they might do something yeah. like that. But before it gets cut, but even still, they save you six million using somebody else. They could, you know, deem that worthy. Um, getting, I think I don't know how his contract all works. They might have it out. They might not. I'm not sure. I have to look at that later. Yeah. And, uh, and then that's all the option of trading players. Yeah, and then the, the big one is Garoppolo. Will, will they consider trading Garoppolo? Will they? Will they? You know, uh, give the Lions a call. Maybe, maybe they, maybe Stafford doesn't want to rebuild because obviously they fired Matt Patricia um, and the GM, so they're kind of starting over over there. So they could be rebuilding, and maybe Stafford's going to be there for a rebuild. So then maybe they, they bring in Stafford and let Garoppolo go, and they get some money that way. Because I think if they, if we trade for Stafford, Stafford now obviously they could obviously rework the contract for Stafford to get out of there uh, to be more to be more friendly for both teams, but. If not, but Detroit would still be taking on a majority of the money, but the cap hit for the Niners is actually not as bad as people think. Yeah, it'll, it'll be actually who make less than Garoppolo will make um, for the Niners if, if they go get Stafford. They can make like they can make like four or five million dollars less than Garoppolo. And I think the Lions have to pay like eight, pay him 18 million. So, you know, it's possible, which makes it like, will they want to do that? I mean, if they were building, they'll probably have cash space because they let a lot of guys who are going to pay a lot of money go, like to replace them. Um, so it might, it might not carry too much about it for one year, um, having to pay staff for 18 million or something to not be on their roster. But, you know, Grapple is also a guy who can end up getting cut as a cap casualty to save money to, to keep other guys around. Um, also, not even just for this year, for the future, too. Uh, Fred Warren's a guy you got to keep. And it's going to cost a lot mm-hmm. of money. Uh, Nick Bosa down the road is a guy you got to keep. going to cost you a lot of money. Like, it's coming up quick. Like, it's going to be year three for Bosa, and you only get five before you got to pay him. Because you get the four in the fifth year option on your first rounders. So in a year or two, um, 
you're gonna pay Bosa too. So you guys finally clear some money. Uh, not only for the players you gotta get paid now, but the players you gotta get uh, paid in the future. Uh, so yeah, it's a big thing to consider. Uh, that's why some players, even if they probably could still produce for this team, will be gone next season. Yeah. Jimmy is probably the biggest one that people will talk about. Obviously, there's a chance that he can still be here. I'm not going to sit here and say there's no chance that he's here next year. There's a chance. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it's it's a business. It's a business, and the Niners have some, some decisions to make this year, and it's a big year for them um, as far as figuring out what to do to keep the window open long term and to get and finally yeah. bring San Francisco the sixth Lombardi. And this, this year is, is a, probably the biggest year um, since probably year two or three of the, of the rebuild. Yeah. And I just want to bring one more thing to the table about the whole cap space thing. We have probably the best person on the planet to help manage the entire cap situation. He's done it countless of times before for this team. His name is Parag Marate. Trust and Parag, and we're good. You just let Parag handle it. I don't even think. Let Parag handle it. <laughs> oh, oh, this oh, forty free agents. Don't worry, we have a Parag. <laughs> like, like yeah, come on. Figure it out. He makes him make some caps somehow. You know, hey, you want to restructure real quick? I mean, some restructures have really been the butt, um, like the D four one, because now they got to pay him fourteen million if he leaves. Um, or they be retiring or cut him. So that kind of sucks, but they'll, they'll make they'll probably find a way to make things work um, yeah. over the long run with yeah. the uh, with the money. So yeah, Pragmar Amarate, he's, he's he's got it, he's got it. He's 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 like he's our guy. He's he's the cap god. No, he's got it. Yep. <laughs> I think with that we we discussed everything um, we we needed to. Unless you guys got something else you want to discuss real quick. Comeback player of the year for the Niners is clearly. I mean, obviously. Alex Smith could win, should win the league one, 100. But for this team, the runner-up it's gotta be Verrett. Verrett, gotta be. This dude is playing like a top-tier corner, not just a guy who is like, damn, you know, he might be able to make. No, this year he's been fantastic. Like, and this past game is an example of why he 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 like he shut T Hop down. I got to pull up the numbers. Um, but John, it, 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 it was what it was what eight receptions for 48 yards and no touchdown. Yeah, 8 yeah. for 48. That was his numbers against Brett. 8 for 48. Like, he's barely allowing anything. Like, it's 8 yards, that's not with the first down to catch. And it's a receiver. No yeah, yeah, yards. Yeah, like 15 catches for 150 yards or something like that. Yeah, compared to week one, that was fantastic. He Because Hopkins destroyed mostly. But he yeah. couldn't do much with Ferret. And Ferret was, was tough with him the entire game. And disgusting he's he's a guy who needs to be brought back but Verrett, like comeback player of the year you know for this team obviously but for for second if it, if alex smith didn't come back from really losing his entire leg and, and potentially had a chance to lose his life over that surgery then Verrett would have been the guy for sure yeah so to recap um niners hawks it's always special because you know seahawks week unfortunately seattle has a lot more to play for than we do but we talked about how how their team's um, movements on offense and defense kind of mirrored ours in 2019, except in different ways. When their defense um, it, when their defense was at the at its lowest, their offense was at its highest. But as their defense improved, their offense regressed. And for us in 2019, it was our offense was somehow our our, our offense was average, our defense was elite, 
but as our but but when our defense regressed, our offense stepped up. So we talked about an interesting parallels there. We talked about some some free agents as we as we talked about just now, and then we also went over some stuff about uh, um, about just team MVPs. So quickly recap there. Um, Fred Warner for defense and team, and then Kyle Shanahan for offense. Because who else can for offense? Yep. <laughs> and, um, okay, we completely forgot this again, but make sure to follow us on the socials, right. at Pod on Twitter and Instagram. Um, follow, follow, um, follow, follow all of us. Um, y'all know Kobe's at I Bay Kobe. Y'all, y'all know mine. Rohit Gunn seventy one. Doctor Adrian Perez. Mm-hmm. Also, the YouTube channel is finally up. We'll, we'll post. We'll be posting live shows there. Maybe some content. So that's something. So that's something we st- we um just went live with. So make sure to be on yeah, the lookout for that. This stream was on YouTube today, so it will be up um probably sometime after we end. Um, so people who, who came in late or, or missed it, it also be on Twitter too. You'll, it'll be it'll be pinned um, to the top of our uh, podcast page. So yeah, you can catch the stream there. Catch on YouTube, yep. catch it on Twitter. It'll be on both places, and then catch the podcast yep. too. Sure, you all C- know about catch that. the podcast on whatever you listen to your podcast. So. And with that, that's everything. Thank you for listening. Happy New Year. Let's hope twenty twenty one is a whole lot better than twenty twenty was. Nick Bosa and... plays football this year. Yes, sir. With that, I'm your host, Rohit. This has been the Faithful Four Podcast. We'll see you guys next time. Go Niners. Go Niners. Peace, Niners.